welcome to the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast. This is a podcast to help you find peace with food and overcome disordered eating. And I'm Harriet Frew, aka the Eating Disorder Therapist. And I'm so excited to share with you all kinds of stories, tips, information and guest interviews to help you on your journey in finding peace with food. So thank you so much for listening today. Now today I want to talk to you about the mantra flower in eating disorder recovery. Now mantra, if you haven't heard of it, is actually a specialist treatment for anorexia nervosa created by the Maudsley Hospital in London. So it's created by Eureka Schmidt, Janet Treasure, Helen Startup and their team. Now, before you leave this podcast because you think, well, I don't have anorexia nervosa, what's important to recognise is although mantra is designed for anorexia nervosa treatment more specifically, there's so many elements of the treatment which are incredibly valuable for anyone suffering from an eating disorder, and this includes the mantra flower. So the mantra flower is a lovely visual tool. So think of it as a daisy maybe, with that nice central yellow disc and the white petals going outwards. Now the mantra flower is used to help you visually recognize the different things that might keep your eating disorder going. So remember, An eating disorder is a coping strategy for life struggles. It's not often a chosen coping strategy, but it's something that we can fall into in the culture where thinness, losing weight, looking a certain way is very much something that you get validated for, that you get a lot of acceptance for. If life is difficult, it can feel like something that you can focus on to make yourself feel better okay so if you're focusing on food or body image you maybe feel safer you maybe feel a sense of control when life is overwhelming and out of control maybe you get some distraction from difficult emotions different painful things you're going through and it gives you a sense of purpose and identity because of course in the culture if you change your weight or whatever If you look different, people are probably going to validate that and that's going to make you feel better when life feels out of control and other things are not going so well. So each petal on the mantra flower signifies a factor that keeps the eating disorder going. So it's called like a vicious flower, which sounds not very nice, does it? Because I guess it's keeping someone locked in an eating disorder. Okay, so it's such a great tool because it's a really good visual way of starting to understand, okay, why do I have this eating disorder? Like what's keeping it going? Why am I locked into these unhelpful ways of coping? So I'm going to talk through four different aspects that can keep an eating disorder going from the mantra flower. And this is a, such a valuable insight to understand because once you appreciate how the eating disorder is serving you, one, you can become more compassionate towards yourself in understanding why you're using the ED in the first place. And two, it gives you the awareness to begin to think about more helpful and constructive ways of coping. Because until you understand your ED from a psychological perspective, it's quite hard to actually initiate any change because you're almost like lost in the jungle, not really knowing where you're going, what you're doing. So let's talk about the different petals of the flower. So number one, this is one of the first thing that keeps and it keeps you locked in your eating disorder. This is the valued nature of an eating disorder. Now for any loved one listening or anyone perhaps has never had an eating disorder, you might find this quite hard to understand. It might be like, well, why would anyone value their eating disorder? 
how can an eating disorder be valued when it's something that's very destructive and actually very detrimental to many aspects of your life? But remember how I'm talking about how an eating disorder can be a way of coping. The eating disorder may provide an identity, maybe being thin or lean or an emotional eater or a fitness person or a dieter. And there may be some aspects of the eating disorder someone doesn't wish to let go of because actually their identity is very tied in to things around food and exercise. They might really feel like if I let go of this, how am I going to cope? You know, who am I going to be? And it might feel as though food and body image is one of the, they're kind of one of the few things that you can actually control in your life because everything outside of that feels very overwhelming. Perhaps you feel very demanded of by others. Perhaps life just feels like this busy treadmill. So actually you might feel very reluctant to let go of it because it feels like this is the one thing that is just for me. So it's really helpful to understand that because of course in a way like it's not a helpful thing to have your value and worth through your eating disorder and to value many aspects of it because of course you could achieve many of those things in much more healthy ways. An eating disorder is very destructive but it's trying to recognize that you know, you've fallen into this maladaptive way of coping and that is how it's serving you. Okay, number two, another petal, the social and emotional mind. So an eating disorder can often be a way to distract and you know, avoid pain. You know, if you are overwhelmed, if you are lonely, if you are feeling sad, confused, if there's a lot going on in life, an eating disorder can become a way to kind of distract and numb from those emotions. It kind of simplifies life. It means that, you know, you're just focusing on steps counted, what you're going to eat, what you're going to binge on, how much exercise you're going to do. In a way, you're preoccupied with food, so a lot of other things just blur into the background. And in relationships as well, it can also be a way of communicating needs that can't be expressed out loud through words. So it might communicate anger, frustration, loneliness, sadness, maybe feelings that someone doesn't feel that they can express in more healthy ways. They might feel like I don't have permission to express my emotions in other ways. They may feel that people around me couldn't handle my emotions. Maybe I am too much. Maybe they've had an experience in the past where their emotions have been very overlooked or invalidated, so it doesn't feel safe to express emotions. So I think as well, when people feel they can't use their voice or express their needs through assertive communication, like you know, telling people what they need, looking after themselves, you know, demonstrating those acts of self-care, getting thinner, binging, purging, over-exercising, it can be a way of communicating to other people that actually things aren't right for me at the moment. You know, I'm actually struggling um, and this is kind of like a little flag of kind of help me really almost, or just to sort of show someone that, um, you know, that things aren't going so well. And I think people can feel very ambivalent about wanting help as well, because on the one hand, they're kind of visibly communicating to someone, to people around them that things aren't right. But then actually as a loved one, when you step in and try and help and support, someone might really reject your help and support as well. So I think someone can be very, very confused and also feel this lack of permission or lack of worthiness as well to get their needs met. So, and as I've said, starving or binging or over-exercising can be a distraction from emotions and a numbing or dumbing down so you don't have to feel the pain of those other emotions. So an eating disorder kind of simplifies life. 
And of course, it simplifies life in often a very destructive way, but it can feel like, well, it's much easier to like be counting calories, thinking about what I'm going to binge on, how much exercise I'm going to do, rather than maybe focusing on difficult relationships or the loss I've experienced or other things that are going on. Okay, time for a short advertisement break. Have you had a lifelong struggle with your weight? And have you gone down the bariatric surgery route? Have you been caught in the diet cycle, losing and gaining the same weight repeatedly? And perhaps you pinned all of your hopes on bariatric surgery, but to only realize that head hunger, food noise, and emotional eating have returned along with a fear of weight regain. You are not alone on the Gastric Mindset Podcast. Safi shares real life stories from people who have had weight loss surgery and she interviews experts to help you understand the deep rooted psychological and behavioral aspects that make it achievable to find long term weight loss success. Safi is eight years post op and a therapeutic practitioner who is passionate about making psychological support accessible to all. The Gastric Mindset podcast is out every Friday and can be found on all major podcast platforms. Okay, let's go on to the third petal of the mantra flower. This is all about thinking styles. So if you're restricting or starving, whatever your weight, you'll be experiencing physical symptoms. And this will probably mean that you are becoming more inflexible with your thinking and very detail focused. Now I think what's really important to say here is that people often think, well, I'm not really underweight, so this doesn't apply to me. But anyone who is on a diet, who is putting themselves in that starvation mode, who is experiencing all that hunger, all that food preoccupation, maybe experiencing physical symptoms like coldness, lack of concentration, all the things that come with intense dieting, it's going to really affect your thinking. You're gonna become a lot more rigid, you're going to have to stick to a very sort of strict routine to be able to maintain your eating and exercise patterns and this takes a lot of energy okay and your thinking may become as well much more black and white so you might feel that you're one extreme or the other you're either like really restricting or you're binging you're either sort of like beautifully in control or you're in absolute chaos and you've lost that sort of flexibility in your thinking you're thinking about food a lot as well because of that, you know, starvation and food preoccupation. And it becomes a perpetuating cycle as well because of if you're restricting your food, you're going to think more about food. You will have more rigid routines, excessive focus around food continually throughout the day, which creates more thoughts around food, more rigid thinking, and you're going to get locked in this awful cycle. So, is not a good place to be and I think people have often you know lost track of how rigid their thinking has become you know when you live with an eating disorder even if you feel that you are kind of very much in control and doing what the eating disorder is asking of you that takes such a lot of emotional energy such a lot of rigidity such a lot of black and white thinking such a lot of like overthinking having to plan everything out you've almost got this whole layer of thinking that someone with more flexible thinking just doesn't have to engage with and that's exhausting that takes up a lot of emotional energy and brain power so no wonder then you're probably not able to kind of focus on other areas of your life in the way that you would need to so number four the fourth petal is how others keep the eating disorder going now of course this isn't intentional <laughs> Who wants to be encouraging someone to have an eating disorder? But as therapists, 
as carers, as loved ones, we often unintentionally get drawn into unhelpful ways of helping. So you may have heard before, and we talked about on this podcast before, the Maudsley Animal Model, which uses animal metaphors to help you understand how you can get drawn in unhelpfully as a carer into unhelpful ways of helping. And this can be things like being the rhino, being like over-controlling, telling someone what to do, which really drives that person to either become very secretive or very sort of people-pleasing in their approach with the eating disorder. You might also be a jellyfish where you become very, very anxious and angry and sad. Of course, you're gonna feel those emotions if you're a carer of someone with an eating disorder, but if you're expressing those to your loved one, they are going to withdraw They're not going to be open and honest with you. They're going to protect you because they don't want to be putting their own emotions onto you. And actually, they become more attached to their eating disorder. You might also be the ostrich who just avoids the eating disorder altogether, puts your head in the sand. And again, this can be problematic because the person with the eating disorder is probably already minimizing their problem. So when you minimize it too by ignoring the problem, they just get the message in a way, well, this isn't really a problem. I just should just kind of carry on. Or you might be the kangaroo with the joey where you treat the person with an eating disorder as a much younger child. You start to almost collude with the eating disorder. You overprotect the person. Again, it's a very natural thing to do. If someone is very unwell, we want to step in, we want to protect, we want to kind of put them in the kangaroo pouch and you know really look after them. But actually sometimes that can inadvertently keep the eating disorder going because someone becomes really safe in the pouch and then they don't want to kind of engage more with the adult world they become very anxious they rely on you to like make a lot of their more adult decisions and it can become a bit of a trap so we can all fall into these enabling kind of behaviors around the eating disorder and what we want to be doing as carers loved ones and therapists is becoming more like a dolphin so a dolphin swims alongside asks open questions is very supportive and encouraging allows the person autonomy to be themselves um, but also is very gently supportive so you're swimming alongside and you also as a therapist or a carer or a loved one you want to be a St Bernard so a St Bernard dog is very calm and contained and peaceful They're not kind of going around expressing high emotion, shouting and telling someone what to do. They're exuding that calm and stability, which really provides a very safe container for the person with the eating disorder to make changes, to have space to think about what they wanna do and having you kind of quietly and peacefully in the background is one of the most helpful things that you can do. And of course, it will feel sometimes that you're not doing anything because you'll feel like, you know, particularly if you're a parent and you are so used to like when your child is ill, stepping in and fixing and being there for them, you've got to take a step back. And that's really, really hard. And it's really important to get support for yourself as a carer as well. But it's really helpful if we can understand as a carer, if we might be helping to sort of keep the eating disorder going, even if it's inadvertently, And also, as the person suffering from an eating disorder, you can just reflect on, you know, am I kind of using my eating disorder as a way to draw in care from others in an unhelpful way? Because perhaps I feel I can't get my needs met helpfully in other ways. You know, I think particularly people sometimes with anorexia nervosa feel I have to be unwell almost to be looked after and have my needs met. And what's really important, I think, is as someone perhaps starts to starts to do some weight restoration, they start to become more sort of physically well. 
it's really important that people around them recognize that actually mentally they may still be in a very difficult place and it's very important as carers and loved ones to remain very supportive and emotionally present because although someone physically looks a lot better they might be really really struggling mentally and it's really important they feel that they can talk to you and you don't want to be reinforcing again inadvertently this message that actually the person needs to become sicker in a way to get care and to be looked after okay someone wants to feel actually they can reach out for support and I guess if you're someone with an eating disorder listening to this as well it's important that you take responsibility to communicate to your loved ones what you need okay you don't want to be communicating your needs through weight loss through binging purging over exercises maladaptive means you want to be moving towards being able to express yourself through your words and of course as well you need to do this with the people in your life where you feel safe okay you can't do this with someone where you don't feel accepted where you perhaps are in an abusive relationship or something you need to do this in places where you feel listened to accepted understood all those good things okay so I hope you found this like a helpful reflective tool it can be so valuable to really understand you know what keeps an eating disorder going and you could draw out your own mantra flower you know and if you want some sort of help with that as well because obviously this is a podcast and um you know you might want something more visual and if you google mantra flower you should as well be able to find some examples and that will help you begin to understand your eating disorder a bit more um and when you start to understand what keeps your eating disorder going you can begin to think about change and how you might get needs met more helpfully so for example, communicating needs and relationships and talking openly and sharing through words and expressing your feelings. Learning problem solving skills to boost self-worth and self-reliance to cope with the challenges of life without having to use the ED to perhaps avoid or hide from these different things. Finding identity and purpose through more meaningful avenues than the pursuit of thinness or muscularity. And I think you don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. You can still enjoy fitness and health without it becoming obsessive and excessive. Things like eating more regularly as well, nourishing yourself, self-caring, balancing blood sugar. This is gonna help with, with to really reduce your rigid thinking and to become more flexible as well. These are just examples. So the mantra flower is a tool and it's not just about anorexia nervosa. It's helpful for all the eating disorders. Do have a Google of it if you want to kind of find out more. And it's such a good starting point to understand how your eating disorder is serving you. It opens the door to becoming more self-compassionate, you know, understanding yourself, being kind to yourself, understanding the psychology of an eating disorder, and then giving you some awareness and insight to consider the change process. Okay, hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you're not following me already on Instagram, seek me out at the eating disorder therapist underscore. And for further support with your relationship with food, do go to theeatingdisordertherapist.co.uk. If you enjoy this podcast, I would be so grateful if you would follow, rate and review as it helps it reach so many more listeners. Thank you so much for listening today and I look forward to sharing another podcast episode with you very soon.